0: and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language. Then you're considering Catholicism. Welcome to Considering Catholicism. I'm Greg Smith, your guide to the faith, life, and civilization that is historic Catholic Christianity. About a week ago, I went on an epic rant to my friends Ed and Corey about Christmas carols. They agreed. So we met up and we ranted together. And then we broke the conversation up into two episodes. In part one, we talked about how church music has changed and how Christmas carols no longer fit into the contemporary church music template. In this episode, we continue our rant and talk about how traditional Christmas carols no longer fit into the new happy holidays culture. But before I play that for you, I'd like to take a moment to invite you to make Lent 2023 the Lent of a lifetime, by coming with me to walk in the footsteps of Jesus and the Apostles. This coming March, I'm leading a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. We'll visit Nazareth and we'll take a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee to see where Jesus recruited the Apostles and performed miracles and preached the Sermon on the Mount. We'll have Mass where Peter, James, and John witnessed the Transfiguration. We'll go through the Jordan River Valley and stand where Jesus was baptized. We'll visit the Judean wilderness where he was tempted by Satan. We'll visit Bethlehem and the Grotto of the Nativity where he was born. In Jerusalem, we'll actually go into the upper room where he held the Last Supper and appeared after the resurrection. And just before Passion Week, we'll walk where Jesus suffered his passion, from the Garden of Gethsemane to his trial, and we'll pray the stations of the cross where they actually happened, up to the Rock of Calvary where he was crucified, and we'll see his empty tomb. Now, at that point, you'll have the option of flying home. But some of us will be flying to Turkey for four more days, discovering the cities of the New Testament, Ephesus and Colossae and Hierapolis and Sardis and Smyrna, This is where Paul preached and planted churches and to where the epistles of the New Testament were addressed. Now, for the details on prices and accommodations and such, go to consideringcatholicism.com. Consideringcatholicism.com. And when you get there, on the top of the first page, you'll see a big Lenten purple banner that says, Holy Land Pilgrimage, March 2023. Join Greg Smith in Israel and Turkey for Lent. Click on that banner, and it will take you to the information and sign-up page on the 206 Tours website. Now, you want to be a part of our group, so make sure that you sign up for the group with my name, Greg Smith, and use the trip code GS110221. Now, I know we have listeners spread all over the United States and in many other countries, and, and that's no problem. You can work with Liz and their amazing staff to make your arrangements from wherever you live. but. Time is short. We're leaving on March 20, and that's less than four months away. If you have any questions for me, shoot me an email, greg at consideringcatholicism.com. Okay, and now, here's Corey, Ed, and I asking, Whatever happened to Christmas carols? Okay. So in part one of our conversation here, we picked up on the issue that I, that I, it struck me that there, we don't have that many Christmas carols. There's only 15 or 20. If you, if you listen to the last episode, you can get the sort of setup of this, that I got really frustrated looking for Christmas music this year, Christmas carols. And I realized that there's just not that many Christmas carols, traditional Christmas carols and the ones that we have. Uh, Are like 100 years old. And so in the last episode, we talked about why haven't in the last 50, 100 years, anybody, why hasn't anybody written any new Christmas carols in the traditional sense of, oh, holy night, little town of Bethlehem, hark the herald and sing, et cetera, et cetera. And the path we went down on that was that we don't have any more of those because those are hymns. And contemporary Christianity no longer, by and large, right. sings hymns, with some exceptions. Right. But by and large, we don't write and produce a lot of hymns anymore. Right. Most of the hymns that we sing, even in the Catholic Church, are older. Now, I want to pick up in this segment, this kind of part two, I want to start at the same place, which is why don't we have any more traditional Christmas carols? And in the last episode, I defined. What I meant by that, it was a song that could be sung. It was catchy; a lot of people could sing it. Right, four verses had rhyme, right uh, meter. Uh, it was theologically rich. Uh, it had harmony, all of those kinds of things, and it was about the nativity. And it had rich theological insights about the nativity. And. What we have now, if you look at the songs that are coming out about Christmas, they're like holiday songs or they pick up other themes. So it's about family. It's all that we're going to gather. You know, a holiday song now is gathering with family or it's right. mom is making out with Santa Claus or whatever kind of crazy thing it is. Uh, but largely, even the ones that are Christian y are more about sort of God in general and family and gathering with our loved ones at the holidays. And it strikes me that one reason we don't have any more Christmas carols is that in some, for some reason Christmas in our popular culture has stopped to being about the nativity. And it's now like this winter holiday festival thing. It's like Festivus. And so I wanted to throw that out to you guys. When and where, or how, or what have we stopped, even within the Christian community, making the nativity the focus of the holiday season?
1: Well, I think even that phrase "the holiday season" is is a giveaway because, in instead of like in in the Christian, the you know the classic liturgical um, calendar of the year, you have a four week season of Advent to prepare for Christmas, and then Christmas is a, a short season that's made up of several important feasts. First and foremost, the Nativity of the Lord, what we call Christmas Day. Um, but but then uh, you have other feasts, Epiphany especially, um, and and those are specific times that are supposed to celebrate specific things about the Lord's birth and about his early life and his revelation uh, to to the nations. And instead of that, um, in popular practice, what you have is during that time when when Christians would be celebrating Advent, you have this kind of nebulous, poorly defined it's probably even longer than that really starts in October or something and people kind of get together and do parties and stuff, uh, in a, in a vague sort of way during that whole time. But you're not really, there, there isn't anything you're not preparing for anything in particular, unless it's just opening presents on Christmas morning, I guess. And there isn't a focus of it. It's, it's un undefined, um, festivity I would say.
2: Yeah. You know, I go back far enough now. You do too, Greg. Almost as far. Um, there was when I was a kid. There was just a general feeling in the world and culture, at least the culture in you know my world, that that there were higher things, higher things than just us. You know, uh, 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 the exact opposite of humanism. Okay. So, for instance, the. Um, in downtown Grand Rapids, the city hall was this huge ornate stone thing and my and I loved going there um, with my mom. We'd get on the bus and ride down from Burton Heights into the downtown Grand Rapids and go to the to pay to pay the utility bills or whatever right um, or the taxes and they tore it down and they built this just glass and steel thing right and and it and it and it we lost something when they did that okay there were there was that feeling. In, even in the movies from the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, there was that, there's this sort of like this, this latent reverence for, for, for things, for higher things. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And, and you talked about in, in our last conversation about worship music becoming uh, sort of egocentric. It's all about yeah. the person who's singing it. I, I think there's a connection there is that that culture that you're talking about is focused on the transcendent. Um, it's uh, yeah. things that are that are above and higher than us, and most especially on on God. And when you lose a sense of transcendence,
2: you devolve to egocentrism, and it's all about us. Yeah, well said. That that yeah, exactly what I was thinking. I would say that um, that we have lost uh, Christendom mm-hmm. out of our culture. Okay, mm-hmm. even the uh, you know there was this the, the larger world of people who. Uh, even if they didn't believe or practice Christianity, they respected it and they showed reverence for it and they understood it to be the glue that held society together. Right. Yeah, was- I
0: was listening to somebody the other day um, on another podcast or something I was listening to, YouTube or something. And this guy was making the point that to even use the word Christendom anymore, it's almost like a laugh line, right? Like, right. C- can you talk about Christendom? as a construct or a concept without it sort of just being, um, you know, kind of like a snicker, you know, anymore or an incomprehensible thing anymore. I I don't know, you know, we can, and people can and will argue forever about whether America was a truly Christian nation or whether it was more of a Christian friendly nation. In other words, my personal feeling is that it was a, a country in which a majority of people were Christians more than it, America wasn't founded to be a Christian nation. And we can go down a long path sure, about sure. that, right? I mean, I think that was what the American founding fathers sort of understood and intended. And they even warned about that, you know, at the time, the, the Federalist Papers and all this, that this would work as long as a majority of the people still had held Christian morals when the majority of the people no longer right. held Christian morals, then the mechanisms of democracy would, would go into other places, which is, I think, how it played out. But what you can say is that the, the, the entertainment culture, the, the, the government culture, the, the, sort of, the, the sort of cultural institutions were at least friendly to Christianity up until 30, 40 you know, a couple yeah. of generations ago. So here's my instance about that, with with respect to this Charlie Brown Christmas special, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Corey, I don't know if you remember this. Oh, but, I do. I do. Right. Sure. So this was that like, that every year they showed it on TV, right? And for those of you who remember, you remember you had uh, it was Charlie Brown and the Peanuts gang or whatever, and they had they sent, I think they sent Charlie Brown out to buy a Christmas tree for the school play or something, and of course he's a hapless, you know. <laughs> fella, and so he goes to the Christmas tree lot, and he ends up for whatever reason bringing back this scraggly, kind of crappy little, scraggly thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then all the other kids make fun of him, and you know, tell him he's a total loser for bringing back the, the loser tree, right? And it's pointless. And then the Christmas pageant starts, and remember the one character Linus, the kid with the mm-hmm. blanket. Um, he walks out at the pageant, and he recites luke 2
1: mm-hmm.
0: now i grew up not going to church and the first time i got I, my evangelist the first time i ever heard luke 2 <laughs> was in the charlie brown christmas right. mm-hmm. that was you know i always got some story about you know how they encountered the gospel or how they encountered the bible for me i'm sitting at home watching right. on tv and linus reads this thing about you know, the nativity. And I, I, first time I ever heard it. Uh, and it struck me even as a kid, like, wow, that was pretty cool. Um, and then I was like, I gotta, I gotta look that up. So, you know, anyway, I found a Bible and I looked it up. But the point is, is that there was a time when with a straight face, American television would have a character come out and read Luke two. Right. That is incomprehensible today that you would have on any network. Yep television program today a character read Luke 2 and tell the nativity story as a part of a holiday special.
1: I think, though, that even in that Charlie Brown Christmas special you see the warning signs of of what was to come because the whole point of it Charlie Brown is like saying it, it's too commercial like you 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 just turn this into about buying and selling things and who who can you know Snoopy with his his doghouse and trying to make it win the Christmas light contest or whatever um and and the very fact that you know Linus had to go out there and remind all of the other kids that this is what Christmas is actually about Charlie Brown um, shows that it was already fading yeah, out like it, it, it hadn't gone on
2: completely yet,
0: there still was like a residual whatever mm-hmm. in in conscience and
2: mm-hmm. the culture. My recollection of that time is um, that that even those you know, so in the Charlie Brown special, all the extra stuff you know, the the Snoopy's doghouse and the Christmas tree uh, and them trying to decorate it to make it look better, they all it was all in service of the christmas story even if it was only given you know uh, uh, 30 seconds or something in the show and that was my feeling of that entire time okay in the 60s was that that yes we did all these things but we all knew that this was about jesus and this was about we all knew that right there was a base understanding
0: that christmas was christmas
2: okay so mm-hmm.
0: so right so we can straight up say here uh right let's go back and i don't know cory when you're like consciousness, you know, like <laughs> awareness, like how are your, your early memories were like or whatever. Mid nineties. But yeah. But see, cause I remember, you know, still it was called Christmas and even the schools would say we're going to have Christmas break. And mm-hmm. it was a Chris and the TV show would be a Christmas special or an, uh, somebody put out a Christmas album and it was still Christmas and it was Christmas cards and whatever. And a Christmas sale at the store and you had uh, nativity scenes everywhere. Right. So on at the city hall and, you know, in public all the way, you'd have the little, uh, you know, the little statues of the wise men and the sheep and everything and the little manger. And here's the little baby Jesus. And this was like a thing. And nobody blinked that the reason that we were having this holiday break or all of these holidays was that it was Christmas and Christmas was about the baby Jesus. Now, how many people. For whom Jesus was their personal Lord and Savior, I don't know to them. Sure, but at least we understood that the whole point of this
1: was Christmas and Nativity. That's that's gone. Well, I think it was during my my childhood that 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 battle was really fought kind of around the turn of the century, turn of the millennium because I remember all of that um sort of culture war stuff about people getting really upset about the introduction of happy holidays instead of merry christmas and and all of that. So, it, it it's not that long ago from a from a broader perspective that we hit a sort of tipping point where enough people in American society Either had no attached no real importance to the Christian faith and to what Christmas was about, or became actively against it. And and we're past that. We're rolling down the other side of the hill now. We were we we're, we're, we're that ship has sailed. Yeah, I
0: mean, yeah, right. I mean, just within a generation. I think that's one of the things that's so striking is once it starts to fall apart, it fell started to fall apart. It fell apart really fast. And it really unraveled to the point today that I I think, you know, you can get sued if you put a nativity scene, you know, in in Mm -hmm. certain places. And you can get, you know, so, you know, you have the sense that the full power of the tech companies and the whatever you want to call it, the the deep state and everything else that you is just basically arrayed against um, Christian expression and Christian doctrine. And it has been shoved. Out of the public square, off the public airwaves, out of everywhere, so that you know we can, we're allowed to, to talk about it in private, but it's no longer a part of our public consciousness, right. and it's become the holiday season.
1: Well, right, and it's and it's really about <clears throat> what you can market and sell to people. Um, it, it's it's a matter of uh, you know mammon, essentially, and, and nothing sells like nostalgia. And so I think a lot of what you have in sort of Christmas or holiday culture right now is is just repackaging people's childhood nostalgia and selling them their childhood experience again. Interesting. Unpack that a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, even when I was growing up, like my my parents had like, and this was before their time. So they were probably experiencing their, their parents, my grandparents uh, childhood Christmas, but it was all like the Frank Sinatra and the Elvis Presley um, Christmas. uh, uh, Well, it was tapes then, but originally would have been records. Um, And then like you have all, all of that sixties stuff, the Frosty, the Snowman and the Rudolph, the Red Nosed Reindeer. And, and, and that's endlessly resold and promoted to people. And then, and then, you know, my, my generation that grew up in the 90s or the early 2000s is, is now an adult and our and you know, prime market for people selling things. And so now they're, they're simply selling us the things we remember from the 90s, even if it's, you know, the schlocky Mariah Carey stuff. Or yeah, right. right.
0: I mean, but it's recycling that stuff. And the other thing that strikes me that it's all about today is they've tried to reposition it, like to give a purpose to the holiday season. And so you go, okay, what well, can't be religious, right? We can't, we, it's, it's a holiday season, but we can't name the holiday right. or holidays that it's based on. And plus it's you know, ecumenical, so many faiths. And, you know, we have uh, obviously Christmas and we have Hanukkah and we have, you know, whatever Muslim holiday is. And then we have, it's, you know, certainly it's, there's some kind of satanic feast day or whatever or druidic thing or whatever crazy thing it is. So it, it, we can't actually reference any of that. So it's almost like they're looking for, some reason for the holiday season. And what I have started to observe in the last number of years is it's being repackaged as family get together time. Mm -hmm. So the purpose of the holidays is to get together with your family. And so if you look at commercials about the holiday season, it's all like relatives are going to come and we're going to give each other presents and eat food. And so now that was, of course, that always was a part of it, but that wasn't the primary reason. And that's something that you can sell because, right? So you sell the recipes, you sell the food, you sell the gifts, you sell the this. You, you sell a
1: lot of things that are just but, sold on association with that. Yeah. The yeah.
0: plane travel, this, and it's, it has this kind of gauzy, gooey feel. So there's now, this is the time of year where like top tier ad agencies put out for whatever company, these really slick, you know, tear jerker kind of, Commercials where, you know, there's the guy who comes home to his grandkids or something, or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. The girl comes home from college or something, and everybody gathers together and has a coke and a smile or whatever the heck it is. But na- now, it, instead of being the nativity of the Lord, it's basically family travel get together.
1: Holiday. Yeah. No, okay. I, I think you're right. I think there's an awful lot of that. Um, there's also a lot of stuff that's even a step down from that, which is is merely selling things or creating an ambience around the holiday that's based on just like general winter coziness and right. and, and like curl up with a coke or a tea or you know, whatever right. whatever in your cozy sweater and and it's all very individualistic, which I think is is part of especially like my generation and younger is starting to react against that gauzy um, image of like the family gathering and, and doesn't have as much time for that um, as as sort of individualism creeps to its, its ultimate um, low point. And so a a lot of stuff I think for Christmas is marketed is basically just winter festival and do it how you want to do it and just make yourself comfortable and ride out December. There's
2: just, I mean, there's just nothing underneath any of that so you're gonna you're gonna wrap uh, up in a cozy blanket with a cup of coffee or or a hot chocolate and then what are you gonna think about Mm -hmm. the coffee at the chocolate and the blanket what do you you know where does it you you can just you can draw you know i suppose
0: you know i suppose that you know from the most ancient times of ancient ancientism right the seasonal, the seasons. You know, humans just celebrated the seasons, right? Mm-hmm. Because you know it's summer and it's the middle of summer, right? So you have your your solstices and your equinoxes, right? Right. So right. you know it's middle of summer. It's kind of midsummer, and then yeah, it's there's something natural, natural and, about know, that, right? So. What it seems to me that is that this has devolved, and I mean, you could say at the other end, you know, that the Fourth of July—I don't know—even know how patriotic that is anymore about America. It's just become the midsummer festival, mm. right? I mean, it's right. it's um, it's not Fourth of July; it coincides exactly with the the solstice, but it's around that time close and enough. close enough. And it's sort of like it's the middle of summer, and now we have the middle of winter and then we have the 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 sort of warm fall
1: yeah
2: time. halloween yeah.
0: yeah and then we have kind of like easter has become kind of like a spring break springtime right. thing and so and in some sense it's a regression to earlier ancient i mean in some i, I It's, it's like the paganization of Christendom or the Mm -hmm. devolution of that to, to Western civilization is now devolved back to basically just seasonal festivals. And this is a seasonal festival where, you know, it's snowy or it's cold or it's the, you know, sure, thing. like you say, you know, you, you curl up with, you know, whatever and, you know, or your friends gather and you just kind of enjoy the midwinter and you start planning the year ahead and, and that's happy holiday. Right. Happy winter holiday.
2: I found a quote actually from a I I read a lot of politics, a fair amount of politics, and I follow a guy, he's not a Christian, but he grew up in a cat going to Catholic school. So he's and he's very intelligent. So you can't he knows what he's talking about. He's but he's not a Christian. So we take that with a grain of salt. But he, he wrote this today. Uh, arguably the most challenging thing in this age is to be a Christian. Your enemies control the commanding heights of Western society. It's a good reminder that all moral frameworks must stand alone. In the case of Christianity, it means the logic of the faith must stand outside of and be opposed to the prevailing orthodoxy. Christianity now finds itself where it started. Welcome to the new Rome.
0: Uh, I I think that's spot on.
2: Yeah, I thought so too. Um, But of course, we we can't just rant about this and not suggest any fixes, yeah. you know?
0: Well, I, look, I, okay, this is where, you know, I'm not to the two of you, but, you know, where you kind of say the, I told you so. So I remember uh, late eighties, early nineties, around the time Corey was getting born. Um, and I was working in ministry and I remember at the time feeling like you could see this coming. Right. Oh yeah I think I anybody mean, I, I mean, mean it was hundreds
1: wasn't, of years in coming Yeah, yeah. but I History mean it
0: was is a like long arc. yeah history's a long arc but I mean there were people who were really you know projecting you know by the early 90s this is where this is going in the sense that you know we're devolving into the church is going to fall back to where It was in in Roman times. And, you know, I remember being in arguments with people in the Protestant world who were like, we need to get back to the principles of the Reformation. I remember having some real long debates about that when I was a a Calvinist and all that. It's like, what we have to do is we have to to return to the principles of the Reformation. I went, (laughs) we're not gonna go through another Reformation time in which all of Europe was Christian and the issue was what flavor of Christian we're gonna be. We're going back to... Uh, the, the, the early centuries of the church. So right. this is, we, we don't need the principles of the Reformation. We, the principles of the church fathers. And that was one of the things that drew me, began me down the path of, of Catholicism, drew me down the path of Catholicism because that was when I started reading the, I was convinced that the future of the church, you know, was going to be returning to the principles of the early church. So I stand, started to read the church fathers and, mm-hmm. you know, whatnot, trying to understand that era. And I just think that that's where we've, we've come to. You're right. This is the new, this is the Rome. And, but the good news about that is that if you go back to the model, the church was incredibly successful. I mean, sure. Some people got thrown to the lions along the way. Well, that was we part of them. the success. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But that was part of it. But, but the thing is in the end uh, we, we conquered that. And so I think we have, um, we have models uh, and examples of what, Christianity needs to look like, Mm -hmm. you know, in the 21st century, it's a lot more like what it was like in the first, second and third century than it is
1: now. Well, yeah. And I think this is where we're able to, to sort of refocus on, you know, this is considering Catholicism is because the, the advice that the leaders of the church gave to their flocks at that time, um, Relative to to this was draw back from those pagan celebrations from from the the arena or the the theater or you know the bacchanalia that's going on at various times draw back from that focus on the liturgy of the church and the festivals of the church um, and all of that which is focused on the life death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and when you have to stand against um, the the pagan society and its demands on you. Do so, even if it's unto death. we t- you were talking about martyrs. Well,
0: I, yeah. I, I like what you just. One of the things that I like what you said, there is liturgical festival. So, one of the things for me about becoming Catholic was realizing that the, the liturgical calendar gives me a sort of countercultural. Um, cycle for my year mm-hmm. yep. so instead of me saying hey we go from Black Friday to you know happy holidays to spring break to w- w- you know whatever end of school I mean there's this like so the rhythms of the year are now timed by these sort of secular things right mm-hmm. so you know for fewer and fewer people Easter doesn't mean anything in a in a country where you know the ma- ma- majority of people aren't Christians or whatever um what you think about is this is spring break time, Mm -hmm. or you think uh, this is winter holiday time. So the thing about the Catholicism for me was all of a sudden I had a new template for my year Mm -hmm. and that template was the liturgical calendar. So you start thinking about Advent and Lent and the major Mm -hmm. feasts of, you know, obviously Christmas and Easter and, you know, so on and so forth that gives you a whole new, Thing to sort of live your life around.
1: Yeah, right. no, I'm I'm big on this. I think it's super important because the way that you measure your time and the way that you use your time is going. Your, your life is going to follow your your beliefs and everything are going to follow that. Um, and and I think there's a lot of signs of hope in that regard because I think Catholics especially and and even other Christians are really rediscovering the liturgy and and the rhythms of the liturgical year and allowing themselves through that to pattern their lives on Christ.
2: I have a practical suggestion. L- let, it, <laughs> let, let, let it loose. Let it rip. Um, it's a musical thing. Um, uh, a couple hundred years ago, the, the model was that there were patrons for musicians, okay? And it was pretty much all connected to the church, Right. Um, the, the story of Handel writing the Messiah, he was a church music director. And my, my, my recollection of the story is that, is that I love this because I can identify he got, he kept putting it off. He needed this big, this big thing you know and then he just wrote the whole thing in two weeks and collapsed yeah i've or heard whatever. i've <laughs> heard this story
0: so like they gave him a year to write it and he sat around doing right. nothing and then it right. was like 10 days before it was due
1: and he just went into some something
2: to crazy get. fugue
1: state that's and wrote my term
2: my whole approach to term <laughs> papers in high school um so so what if we went to some sort of modified uh uh, uh a form of that where we encouraged local music directors, people with talent, find people with talent and, and, and have them compose. And then we, um, we, if we encourage them to compose and, and, and we take what they offer, even if it isn't up to the, to the level of the very highest, whatever. Okay. uh, It would keep it very local. And that's, I think that's a good thing. Um, After a while, they would start to get their feet. And pretty soon, if this goes on long enough in enough places, uh, really good music will start to surface. Okay. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, right. So what you're talking about is recreating from the ground up a culture of musicianship. And, and right. And in a lot of ways we have to do that with catechists and vocations and everything else, because the professional systems that developed a lot of this stuff are delivered, delivered a lot of it to us. Um, You know, those professional systems are, are not delivering to us what we need. So a lot of ways we have to start building these local subcultures right. from the ground up. And that means training people to, as you say, compose music, to play music, right. training people to be effective catechists or evangelists or mm-hmm. whatever. And, and you've got to start from the ground up. It means we have to start investing in our local parishes and our local communities in, in
2: big ways. My guess would be that, that uh, I met your music director here and my my guess is that she's with all that talent if she started composing just simply just things for the liturgy uh i've been I went to the mass with you and i these are not uh, uh really super sophisticated things she could you know what if she cooked up something that that um that uh your violinist resident violinist could play yeah. <laughs> and even if it wasn't even if it wasn't up to the standards of the very best yeah. in the world, it would be yours. Yeah, that's you know? good stuff.
0: So let's kind of wrap up with a quick little roundtable. What do we do to restore the nativity to the center of the happy holiday season? Corey?
1: I mean, uh, contra what we've been doing for the last however many minutes, I think you can't start by just complaining about everybody else. You just have to do it yourself. Um, the way you celebrate Christmas in your home and in your parish. Um, align it with with what we've been
2: saying, and and it goes from there. I, I totally agree, Corey. Um, stand firm, right, and and uh, take your stand, and don't be swayed, and uh, be salt, be salt and light.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I would say the the one th- thing, if there's a positive thing about the consumer society that we have today, is that we do have a lot of choices. Okay. So on the one hand, we can say that, that there, this isn't a time where quality music or quality writing or quality whatever is at the top of the, the marketplace. But there's a lot out there and more than ever before. Two minutes on the internet will get you a huge amount of, of really solid Christian Catholic content. And I think that we have to just choose to be consumers of good stuff. Yeah. Because it is out mm-hmm. there and you can find it. Right. And you can choose to consume that instead of other things. And so that puts the choice back on us.
2: All right. So I'm going to go home and find really good stuff. And I'm going to post it on Facebook and say, why don't you listen to this? Uh, my little thing, my little tiny little contribution.
0: There you go. Sounds like a good I can't, start. I can't for, but wait to see uh, you post that. So, all right. All right. So uh, uh, to all of them. Uh, so, to all of our listeners, uh, we wish you a Merry Christmas, not a Happy Holidays. I want you to have a Happy Holiday, but I want you to have a Merry holidays,
1: Christmas, Epiphany, et cetera, et cetera. I want you to
0: have a Merry, Merry Christmas and celebrate the nativity of our Lord. So, thank you, Corey. Thank you, Ed. You're and, welcome. Uh, thank you. Merry Christmas to all of you. Yes. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. My name is Greg Smith. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, would you please hit the like and subscribe buttons wherever you get your podcasts, and please share it with others. And if you're curious about the Catholic worldview and faith, the church and its saints, or Catholic history, culture, and art, then visit consideringcatholicism.com. And email me to let me know what you think, greg at consideringcatholicism.com.